You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Ellen. Today we're going to talk to a woman who had a rare form of cancer and was sent home to die in April of 2012, with doctors saying she only had weeks to live. But when she started taking cannabis oil, she was in full remission in six weeks, and doctors were shocked. Joining us from Vancouver, British Columbia, is Joanne Crowther. Joanne, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You're still alive. I am still alive and still kicking, much to the surprise of the medical community. Way to go. That's great. You, you have an audience behind you. Um, you know, no, I don't. I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take us back to November of 2009 when you weren't feeling well and pick up the story from there. In November of 2009, I started throwing up and I couldn't stop. And I, like, everything I ate came right back up. I was sick all the time. I didn't understand why. And then I, I started losing weight. Well, I was 270 pounds and couldn't lose weight. So when I started to lose weight, I was like, there's something wrong. So I walked into the hospital, and they started testing me. About 15 minutes in, they said, yep, there's something really wrong with you. But they couldn't figure out what it was. For 22 days, they gave me every test, I swear, known to man. My file went from like a millimeter thick to three inches thick. They tested me and tested me. uh, They kept telling me that I didn't have cancer, that I didn't have cancer, that it wasn't cancer here, it wasn't cancer, it wasn't cancer. And then one day, one of the doctors said, your kidneys are large and lumpy. And I was like, really? Because everything else you've said, I haven't understood. But large and lumpy, I can understand. Let's test them. They sent me to the St. Paul's Hospital, and that was quite an experience. (laughs) Um, They tested my kidneys, and they came back that I had cancer in my kidney. So, well, I have a very large family. So when I came home, I called all my family. I had about 17 kidneys lined up when I went back to the oncologist's office. (laughs) So... The oncologist tells me, oh, it's not, we don't know that it's kidney cancer and we're not sure and you got to come back in a week or two. I was like, what? You're telling me I have cancer and I have to wait? And they're like, yeah, you got to wait. So I very patiently, not very, but I tried, patiently waited the two weeks and I went back. And that's when he told me that I have large B intervascular lymphoma. And at the time he said I had some Oh, just like that. And I looked at him and I said, take your hope and shove it. I am not done. I've not been to Paris. I've not been kissed underneath the Eiffel Tower. I'm not going anywhere. So he said, with that kind of attitude, you have more of a chance. So I did six shots of Chop R. And I beat the kidney, the lymphoma in the kidneys. What is Chopped R? Chop R. Chop R is a type of chemo. At the time, it was the, the strongest one. Okay. 
And just for our listeners, large B intravascular lymphoma. Can you explain exactly what that is? It's a lymphoma. So it's 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 a type of lymphoma that they've never ever found in a live person before me. Wow. They say that it doesn't have any symptoms. <laughs> and I said, but I was sick. And, and my doctor said, yes, but you're very sensitive. And we like that about you. <laughs> so there isn't a lot of information about what it is, right? It, it, it's a lymphoma that kills mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any symptoms. So what happened after you took these six shots of, uh, of chemo? I was in a form of remission, I guess. So it, about three months, I was looking at going back to work, and I'm driving down the road. I had a Jeep. I was driving down the road, and everything went double. So I closed one eye, and it went single again. So I burned a Yui in the Jeep and drove home and parked it. Well, my spouse, and we went back to the hospital. Um, they did a scan, and they said I had multiple lesions in my head. I actually thought I had a stroke. I said to my husband, I'm like, go get me some food. I'm hungry, and I hate hospital food. And the nurse came into the room and said, you're taking this very well. And I said, I had a stroke, right? I caught it early. I had a stroke. We're good, right? She's like, no, that's not what we're saying to you. I'm like, well, what are you saying to me? We're saying you have multiple tumors in your brain. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's not what I understood. Oh, no. (laughs) They don't, I was at the Richmond Hospital, they have a cancer clinic there. Um, They don't do radiation there. So I had to go to the BC Cancer Society and have my radiation. I had 20 shots of radiation and I beat the cancer in my brain. Um, I, at that point, was like, woohoo, went back to work, started training. I did a half marathon and I raised $5,000 for cancer research. I was good for a whole year. And then... I got a lump in my leg. It was about the size of a ten a ping pong ball. And well, then I, I, I went right back to my oncologist and said, hey, I got a lump. And they scanned it. And yeah, sure enough, it was the same and it's back. And so they started booking my surgery. And by the time they took my tumor or my lump out, I think I was, it was the size of a softball. And they took a large chunk of my muscle out as well. When when they did the surgery, it seems that it was released into my bloodstream, and I got very sick very quick. It went back into my brain. It was everywhere. I had um, my nerve five and six in my head had a tumor on it, so my half of my face lost control, and one eye went wonky. Um, I since got my eye back. My face still kind of looks a bit odd on the left side, but whatever. I'm here. <laughs> they gave me this new stuff, mexotrethate. And at the time when I went in for radiation, they told me that they couldn't give me chemo because it, there's a halo. And the chemo won't help your brain. But at the time when they were going to give me the mexotrethate, it was in my brain. And I was like, what, what about the halo? And they said, no, this stuff breaks the halo. So I, my first shot of mexotrethate, I almost died. And they brought me back enough so that they could give me the second shot. Uh, my kidneys and liver almost shut down. My kidneys were one number away from needing dialysis. And my liver was running about 20%. They sent me home. 
They said, we can't do anything else for you. Go home. You're going to die. You're not going to live six weeks. There's no way. So even after giving you the initial injection of mexatrith, Methotrexate? Mexatrexate. Mexatrexate, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you nearly died. They were willing to give you another shot. Yep. Doesn't, uh, doesn't make sense, does it? No, not at all. It sounds to me like you were a bit of an experiment. Oh, I was. At one point, so when I got transferred into the Cancer Society, because they'd never seen this type of cancer before, I had the head oncologist from the BC Cancer Society. And, well, all of a sudden, I had 17 oncologists. Wow. And they wanted to test me and test me and try this and try that and do this. So in, before the second um, dose of mexotrethate, they were trying to keep me in the BC Cancer Society until I died. They wanted me to stay on the fourth floor. They kept admitting me, and I kept saying to them, what do I have to do to get out of here? I want to go home. So, you know, they'd think up these things that they thought that I wouldn't be able to do. One time they told me I had to be able to get off the floor and be able to do stairs. Well, at my house, I had already not been able to get off the floor and had Googled it. And it Google told me exactly how to get up off the floor. It worked. It was great. Love Google. (laughs) (laughs) They told me that uh, I told them, I I don't know how to do stairs. You're giving me a cane. I've never had a cane before. I don't know what to do. So they took me out of my bed and they took me downstairs where they had this place where you could practice doing stairs. And they showed me how to do the stairs. They showed me for about 10 minutes and then they took me back and put me back to bed. I waited until they left the room. I got up out of my bed. I went back to the elevator. I went down and I did stairs for six hours. Six so hours? Me, six hours. I went up and down those freaking stairs. I was getting out of there. Good for you. So I, I went back to my bed. The next morning they came and they said, okay, well, let's go. And I said, well, let, let, let's just, you told me that if I could do these things, I could leave, right? They said, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I got out of the bed. I got down on the floor and I got back up. I said, okay, there. I got off the floor, right? They're like, yep. Yeah. Okay, so the stairs. Well, let's just go down the stairs to those stairs that we practiced. So down we went, and they were all like, oh, my God. And then up the stairs we went, and, oh, well, they had to let me out. It took them six hours to let me out. But they did because I was insistent. I was like, you told me that's all I have to do. I can do that. Let me go. <laughs> they, they, they just wanted to keep me so that they could stick needles in me and try this and try that and try this because they'd never seen my type of cancer in a live person. Sounds like so your sounds like your birds are happy as well. Yeah, I'm trying to. I covered one of them up because it's really loud, but the other two, they just they get louder if I cover them up. Okay, no, that's <laughs> sorry. That, that that's good. So when they sent me home to die, um, that was April 2012. Um, I came home. And my brother was looking after me at that point. I couldn't be home alone. I was like, wait a minute, one of my friends, Jamie, he told me about this weed stuff when I first got cancer. And I remember saying to him, I think I'm going to go with the doctors. I got to call him. So I messaged him on Facebook and he messaged me back and he hooked me up with somebody. And he took me from Compassion Club to Compassion Club. I ended up going to Karuna Medicinals on um, Nanaimo. And they um, they had the oil. And I started taking it. And she had told me to take rice-sized pieces a day or a couple times a day. So I went back about three days later and said, everything I've read about this says it's supposed to work quick. And this is what I'm trying to beat. And she was like, Oh crap, you need to take a gram a day right away. 
So I started taking a gram a day that day. So up until about five days after that, I had to take a lay down on the way to the bathroom, like a rest for my couch on the way to the bathroom. Seven days after starting a gram of the day, a gram a day, I sat up and looked at my brother and said, let's go out for lunch. Wow. Good for you. He was like, he phoned my spouse. He's like, she wants to go out for lunch. We're going out for lunch. Holy shit. We're out for lunch. Were you pretty high during this time taking uh, one gram no, a day? No, I didn't get high at all. But at the time, I was taking 36 milligrams of hydromorphone, which is time-release morphine, twice a day. And I had 12 milligram morphines as my breakthrough. And I was taking those throughout the day. So when I started doing the oil, I didn't get high. I could have been hit by a Mack truck. I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have felt it. Since then, I've noticed that a lot of people who try the oil get really, really baked. And I suggest normally now that they take it at night before they go to bed, like an hour before they go to bed so that they can sleep through it if they don't want to be high. Joanne, in April of 2012, you were let go of, you were released from the hospital. You, They said you had six weeks to live. You went home, started taking uh, cannabis oil. You took a gram a day for seven days, and after seven days, you got up and said, let's go out for lunch. That's right. Did, did you actually, did you feel better physically? Oh, my. Yes, I felt so much better. I felt like a human again. The week before, I was actually looking at my brother going, is this it? Like, is this all I've got? Like, there's nothing left? After that seventh day, I was like, woohoo, I'm better. And it's been, I've been better and better and better ever since. And so when I went at six weeks back to the Cancer Society um, and saw the head of the Cancer Society, Dr. Savage, she told me I was a miracle. And I told her I wasn't a miracle. I was taking medical marijuana oil. And she said, no, you're a miracle. So they didn't want to believe you. I believe I was alive, let yeah. alone healthy. Have you had conversations with any of the oncologists you came in contact with when you were there? Oh, yeah. My oncologist um, in Richmond Hospital, I tell all his patients about it, and he's fine with that. He thinks it's great. I am his favorite patient. When um, I don't go to the Cancer Society anymore, but when I did, the, the cancer doctors, they wouldn't really listen about it. I made them write in my file that I was taking medical marijuana oil on my second visit after the six weeks. And it is in my file and it is in my medical records that medical marijuana cured my incurable cancer. I made them write it in. Good. So the, the one... The, when I was going there, every time I got into the elevator or a waiting room, I told everybody who would listen to me. Don't do this stuff. This is bad. Take the medical marijuana oil. Take Rick Simpson's oil. Take Phoenix Tears oil. It's going to cure your incurable cancers. Don't do this chemo and radiation. It's awful stuff. Did they think you were a bit of a kook? No. Some did, but most didn't. Most most were like, what's your name? I'm like, here, look me up because I have a video on YouTube. <laughs> It's uh, interesting that your uh, oncologist, who was very supportive of you and uh, considers you uh, his, is it a male or female? Male. Male. Considers you uh, his favorite patient. I mean, that's very enlightening. Yeah, and he also told me that if anything weird happens from now on, that I am to go right to him. Weird being what? Weird being anything medical weird. 
because I'm very sensitive and I have weird things that happen to me. Like I got spots in my eye one day and I have a weird eye disease. I'm sensitive. It's okay. Um, I got a job. It was only paying me $11 an hour. I used all of my retirement fund to stay alive. I cannot ever go off the oil. It's lymphoma. It's not cancer. I saw a naturopath oncologist. He told me to stay on it forever. They've never found anybody alive with your type of cancer. What are you thinking? So I'm going to stay on it forever. But my $11 an hour job, I really couldn't afford what I needed to take. I couldn't take a gram a day, so I cut back. I cut back to a half a gram every other day. For eight months, I did that. At the end of the eight months, I had a grand mal seizure. I woke up in Royal Columbian Hospital a month ago on Sunday, not knowing what happened or what went on or what I was doing there. I had five grand mal seizures. Apparently, either the treatment or the cancer affected my epileptic area in my brain and cutting back on the oil opened up it so that it could attack me. So I went blue in my husband's arms. They had to intubate me and put me in a coma for four days. They've now put me on anti-seizure medicine, which I'm going to go off as soon as I get back enough money to start going back on a gram a day because my, my um, Phoenix Cures oil has THC and CBDs, and CBDs will control the seizures and apparently were all along until I cut back. Joanne, for people who are listening around the world who don't know the cost of this, how much did uh, a gram a day cost you over a month? When I first started taking it, the, the woman who ran um, Karuna Medicinals back then realized that I was really not able to pay what she needed me to pay. So I, at that point, I was getting my oil for $700 for an ounce. And that was a very good discount. Um, when I was in the Cancer Society, I went down to a place, I think Vancouver Medican or something. They wanted $135 a gram. Wow. $135 a gram. Why so much? Yeah. Because that's what they thought they could pay, that people should pay for it. And in Vancouver today, there are places that you can buy it for, um, I think about, I think the lowest is about $35 a gram. Yeah, I'd say the the highest is like 140 bucks a gram. Would you, I I think the average is about 50, 55. What do you think? Yeah, about that. I actually have somebody who gives it to me for $12 a gram because they love me. But. I, I still can't afford it because, like, right now I'm looking at going on CPP disability. That's $600 a month. So if I and I'm going to get my license again, but I'm not going to go through a licensed provider. I did the math. If you go through a licensed provider and you're taking oil and you need to take a gram a day, and you need other stuff as well, it can cost you uh, close to $385,000 a year. For me to stay alive. Yeah. And there's no mention of how I'm supposed to come up with that money. And they might give me 20% back in my taxes, maybe. Joanne, how are you feeling today after being in the hospital when, uh, as a result of your grand mal seizures? Today, um, I'm still a little wobbly. Um, I'm kind of scared about what's going to happen with me. But I'm strong, and I know I'm going to make it through. Um, 
my, my I can't remember things as much as I used to, but I'm writing everything down. So it's, I, you know, there's ways around things. Well, your birds sure love you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk to other people about the use of cannabis and who were at the cancer center and have very serious illnesses. Do any of them ever contact you as a follow-up? Oh, yes, of course. I, I walk around with business cards with a pink marijuana leaf on it and my name, my phone number, and my email address on it. I give it to everybody. And have you had any occasion where they've talked to you and they themselves have tried cannabis oil with success? Um, I have saved no less than 800 people worldwide. Yay. 800 worldwide. That have worldwide. come back to me and said, I'm clear, I've won, thank you so much, you helped me in my fight, I'm going to go and put my video on YouTube, and I'm going to go and do the same that you do. Yeah, it's infectious, isn't it, once you help, some, uh, once you help one person, and uh, when you get as many as you and Corey have, it, uh, it becomes part of your life. It does. It does, and I've been doing it quietly because I'm a secretary, or I was an administrator. So I was on the news. I was on CBC and Global when Harper was making the changes to the plan and saying how much it was going to cost me and showing them how many drugs I was taking when um, the cancer doctors were deal- dealing with me. And I put one gel cup of oil in front of it, and they showed it on the news. Well, I was... I got laid off at my job and I was looking for work. And while I was sitting in the lobby waiting to get for an interview, I was on the TV. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I looked up and went, oh, I'm going to get this job. And all of the people who were waiting for the interviews were looking at the TV and looking at me and looking at the TV and looking at me. And I was like, okay. So I kind of got quiet then for a while. But you know what? I don't, I'm not working now, and I don't look like I'm going to be able to work anymore, so I'm going to be loud. I'm going to tell anybody and everybody who will listen, and I'm going to you know, go on whatever, any, anywhere I can. they will listen to me. I'll go. I'll go on the TV. I'll go on the radio. I'll make my own videos. I don't care. Anybody and everybody is going to know by the time I'm done that cancer cures or cannabis cures cancer and other stuff. And people need to know that chemotherapy and radiation give you a 100% chance of getting another type of cancer. Yeah. They don't really tell you that. I know. You know, I, I constantly am telling people, I think it's either 19 or 21 different chemotherapy drugs that practically come with a written guarantee that you're going to have leukemia in two years. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, we have that high profile case uh, here in Victoria of that little girl. Uh, Hannah Day, who has leukemia, and um, Children's Hospital admits that it's, it's from her treatment that they gave her for another cancer. Yeah. Boy, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Joanne, are you able to grow at all? Um, well, according to, uh, according to the rules, in ni- like in the 80s, they said we could all grow six plants. Right. Well, that'll so that'll last that. a long time. <laughs> I, I, I have known. I, I knew that back in the in the late eighties. They passed something that we were allowed to grow. Every Canadian was allowed to grow at least six plants. Mm. So I've been always growing six plants. But that's um, nowhere near so enough. Now says that if we fill out the AMs, HDPMR, we don't even have to tell our uh, landlord that we're growing. I, I I grew inside and I failed. I still have all the equipment, but I'm not going to do it. I have a granddaughter now that's one, and I don't want to have to, you know, keep her out of anywhere. But I do in the summertime, I grow outside. 
Joanne, when we first started the interview, you talked about uh, your kidney issues. How are your kidneys? Um, okay, so I was one number away from dialysis. I am no longer even in mild renal failure. They told me that my kidneys would never, ever repair, that I'm going to need dialysis, period. One kidney, not so good. The other kidney, pretty good. So on the and cannabis oil, the, your, your, your kidney issue has not yeah, resolved itself, has, but it's, the it's oil really helped. my kidney, and also my liver, which was only 20%, and they say if it goes lower than 30%, it will never regrow. My liver is 100%. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you can keep uh, on the one gram a day of uh, cannabis oil, uh, you're on well on your way to recovery. I, I feel recovered. I have to re-recover now because my body, I think, is kind of in shock from the procedures. But I, I'm going to recover, and I'm going to be just fine. Yeah, that's excellent. Joanne, you're such an inspiration, you know. I really love your attitude. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I just I just want to kick cancer's ass. <laughs> well, you and uh, hundreds of millions of people around the world want to do the same thing. Yeah. I even have on my wrist an F cancer uh, bracelet tattooed. Tattooed? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> a, a, a lady, Susan Fiedler. She made um, gold and silver with it embossed, and it's the heartbeat. And then it, it says F, but the whole word, uh, cancer, so f- cancer, and the heartbeat with it. So I saw it when I was doing my marathon. There was a couple of ladies with it, and they were teachers. And I was like, how can you be a teacher with that on your wrist? But you can't tell that it says F because it looks like a heartbeat. Ah, ah okay. okay. Yeah. So I, I've worn it to work. I've worn it everywhere. And nobody knows. Unless I stick up my middle finger and show them, they have no clue what it says. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's you great. sticking up your little uh, middle finger? Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that regularly. Yeah. So, Joanne... Um, Often people will ask me this, so I'm asking you, what was the percent of THC in the oil that you took that gave you such success? Um, I think that my last batch that I picked up was, hold on just one sec. Okay, so I got some really good stuff because of the seizures that I had. My right. last batch, 217 mg CBD and 277 THC. Okay, interesting. But my other stuff was like usually, almost it was. I, I tried to get almost equal CBD and and THC. See, so, so sort of a fifty fifty ratio or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because everything I read said that the CBD oil is great for pain and great for seizures and great for this and that, but you need THC and CBD to cure cancer. Interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I just got back from Prague and. Uh, uh, when I was there at, at Canafest, uh, Dr. Melamede was there, Bob Melamede, and uh, he asked four people individually, myself being one of them, what I thought the uh, success rate with cannabis oil was. And I said 80 to 85%. <clears throat> Unbeknownst to me, he you know, had asked several other people too from different parts of the globe. And you know, we all came back with the same number, 80% success rate. Yeah. Which is pretty darn good. Depends on what type of cancer and how far it's gone. Yeah, I find the uh, more 
even more so than that is whether or not people have sort of been chemoed and radiated virtually to death almost. They're the harder ones to turn around. But I turned around right away and I had it all. And I've got damage from the kid. Like my, I lost half my hearing from the um, chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And the damage to my kidneys caused me to get tinnitus. So I have ringing in my ears all the time. I don't remember them ever telling me that that was going to be a, a side effect, but well, that's a side effect. Well, they don't. You know, when I talk to people, I tell them that, you know, th- this is the gift that keeps on giving, radiation and chemo. And they don't yeah. tell you the long-term side effects. They tell you a few of the short-term ones, and that's yeah, they it. they tell you, like, you know, your hands and your feet might go numb. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joanne, how is your husband coping with all this? In the middle of all my cancer treatments, he had a heart attack and ended up in ICU. Oh, boy. So he's on um, heart meds and um, anti-blood pressure, but uh, he's good so far. He was a little bit gray when I was um, turning blue, (laughs) and and they took me out of here in an ambulance. But uh, he seems to be okay now. I have to talk to him every 20 minutes because... He doesn't want me to be alone yet. Blue and gray, you're a colorful family. Oh, I was very. We were very colorful that day. Huh? Yeah. He was gray with fear, and I was blue with nowhere. Oh boy, Joanne, is there anything that you'd like to say in conclusion, or tell people who may be listening about uh, your journey and uh, the use of cannabis oil? I suggest that anybody who gets a cancer diagnosis start looking on the internet and find out about Phoenix Tears Oil or Rick Simpson's Oil. It's called so many different things. But do some research. There's not just the oil out there. There's turmeric. There's um, sour soap. There's aerobic oxygenator. There's the oil. There's so many different things that can help you. Just Do some research and do not do chemo and do not do radiation. 100% chance of getting another type of cancer. Really? That's what I have to say. (laughs) Joanne, it was great to talk to you, and good luck in your journey. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great day. Thanks, Joanne. Joanne Crowther, a very strong and determined lady. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and they provide some value to you. And if you have any suggestions for interviews, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for listening and thank you very much for your support. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. 
Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.